macaroni and cheese And Santa put gifts under Christmas trees Decorate the house with lights at night Snow's on the ground, snow white so bright In the fireplace is the Yule log Beneath the mistletoe as we drink eggnog The rhymes that you hear are the rhymes of Daryl's But each and every year we bust Christmas carols Christmas carols Sing this with us. Enjoy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room, and heaven and nature see, and heaven and
we sing heroes the world and heroes the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and tell them Merry Christmas. Christmas. Turn to another person and tell them it's all about Jesus. Oh, we've got, we've, we've got tons of things happening today. But today, my friends, family, if you're new here today, it's all about Jesus. I can tell you that from the start. But we got to keep our praise going. we got more praise left in us. So why don't you just give Jesus a great big praise right now. Come on. Listen up your name, listen up your name, you are here. As we're giving you the praise, as we're giving you the praise, giving you the praise. The kingdom of God is released in this atmosphere. With freedom and breakthrough and victory are right here. We sing where you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no place that I would 
on God. I mean, if you've been to church long enough, if you call SIB KL your home, let's not get into this, it's Christmas service mode. But man, church, I encourage you today, let's give all the glory to God. All glory and honor to you, Jesus. All glory, all praise, all honor, all power. All because you deserve our praise, Jesus. So we praise you, God.
church, let's declare death cannot hold him. Death cannot hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are
Christmas Day. We thank you that because of Christmas Day, we will live, we will live forevermore. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you gave us of your best. You gave us Jesus Christ. And Father, today we want to celebrate, we want to celebrate new life. We want to celebrate brokenness being mended. We want to celebrate wounds being healed. We want to celebrate whatever Jesus Christ came to fulfill and all that He stands for. So Lord Jesus, we give you all the glory on Christmas Day. And all of God's people, shout aloud, Amen, Amen. You may be seated. You know friends, when you shout that loud Amen, you are really saying, let it happen. I agree, let that happen, Amen. So today, I believe we're going to see some amazing things take place in the spiritual and in the physical, Amen. Alright, you guys doing good here on the fifth floor? You guys doing good? Give a shout. You guys doing good on the fifth floor? You guys doing good on the sixth floor? Alright, you won't hear this, but you guys doing good on the fourth floor, Sanctuary 2, Overflow Hall. You guys doing good? Yep. And in the third floor, Sanctuary 3, Overflow Hall as well. They are there. And right now, if you are walking in, just right now, into our level three meeting rooms, all opened up, all ready for you. I want to wish you and everyone who is already seated a very blessed Christmas. Now, what we really want to do today, because after this, the whole program is going to start running. So we want to take this moment to welcome all of you who are visiting with us. 
Is anyone here visiting with us? Can you just stretch out your hand and wave? Just stretch out your hand and wave here on the fifth floor, upstairs on the sixth. Level four, level three, just stretch out your hand because we have ushers who will come to you, right? So right now, ushers will be coming to you to give you a welcome bag. Now, in your welcome bag, there is a very important thing. It is the welcome card. Now, you may say, Pastor, what's so important about a welcome card? Well, fill up this welcome card. Exchange it with us later at our Connect counter and we will give you, we are, we've got a lot of it, just waiting to give to you, okay? But only for you with a welcome card. We want to share with you some Garrett's popcorn. Hey, no cheer for Garrett's, okay lah. Okay, maybe... I don't know if you guys know, I love those Garrett's popcorn. So, so if you're well, if you are visiting with us today, please remember, doesn't matter where you're, whether you're here at the fifth, sixth, or at the fourth floor or third floor, all of you who are visiting, getting one of those red bags, fill up the form, exchange it later for some popcorn. You guys doing good? You guys doing good? All right. So what we're going to do is, if you are visiting, you can stay seated. For the rest of us in SIBKL, why don't we rise and wish each other a blessed Christmas. Let's just rise. Rise to our feet and wish each other a blessed Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas, guys. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. So good to see all of you. What a way to spend Christmas morning with friends, family and loved ones. You may be seated. You may be seated. Very soon, we will be taking up a very special collection. The offerings that we'll be taking up today goes out. It goes out to the mission field. It goes out to support the work of all our missionaries out on the field, both in Malaysia, in Sabah, Sarawak, and throughout Samananjong. It goes out towards our missionaries all throughout the world. So your giving today will be towards the extension of God's work, the extension of Christmas Day into the lives of people all over the world. Now, let me pray for the offering. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that on Christmas Day, you gave us your very best. So today, Lord God, we want to give to you, give back just a small token, Lord, of whatever we can to say to you, to save to ourselves that we are gripped not by the things of this world, but we are gripped by your love, Lord. So Father, we thank you. We praise you, Lord God. May every part of our offering go towards the extension of your kingdom. May it convert darkness into light. May it convert deadness into life, Lord God. And may it bring the glory of Jesus throughout Malaysia and throughout the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, as the offering bags are, are being passed around, if you are visiting with us, please don't feel obliged to put anything into it. That is really just an act of worship for all of us who call SIBKL home. This is for us. Um, it's our act of spiritual worship. For the rest of you, if you don't want to do anything, you can just pass it along. All right, good stuff. Now, 
after the service, please don't run away because we have food. How many of you are hungry? How many of you guys caught breakfast? I see some hands, right? I, I, I haven't caught my breakfast yet. So later, if you want some refreshments after the service, there will be makan. Everybody say makan. There will be a lot of makan down at the fourth floor and at the third floor. So please don't go straight home, but come and share a bite with us. If you've got lunch plans, push it by half an hour and then come downstairs, makan with us first, then go for your lunch and makan even more. Why? Because it's a day to celebrate. Amen? Amen? All right. Now, our theme for Christmas this year is Here Comes Heaven. But the question I want to pose to you is, what is heaven? The answer will be found very shortly. Friends and family, here comes heaven. We are an altar of broken stone. But you delight in the offering You have the heavens to call your home But you abide in the song we sing Ten thousand angels surround your throne To bring you praise that will never but hallelujah from here below is to your favorite melody. We sing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We Hallelujah. 
Every knee bows before your name But we will not wait until it does For here and now shall your kingdom reign What impression does heaven bring? Paradise, Nevada, Schwaga, a place so serene. Is it fantasy or destiny? A reality or just imaginary? Is it the ultimate fate for the pious or just an illusion of the delirious? A place supposedly free of trouble and adversity where striving ceases and we're finally free. How does one really make the ascent where we don't even know what's beyond the end? What we know is we are born and we die. In between, we're just out here trying to survive. Let's not talk about what's at the finish when we're here in the middle of the scrimmage. My friend, do not fear, do not despair. I've got some news for you to hear. Heaven is not a concept. Heaven was already here. You see, it was almost 2,000 years ago since heaven did appear. You see, heaven isn't just a place, but it is a person given onto us a child born to a virgin. In a season of giving, it's now for you to receive the wondrous miracle ever conceived. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. At the time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinus was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral town to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to a firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in the manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the army of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased.
misconception of heaven that many hold to attain or fall short is all about control there's about works and deeds tasks and lists dot every i cross every t don't you dare miss by ain't about our effort or our labor salvation requires something even greater a price that you and i could never ever pay but jesus came and he made a way 
The heaven didn't wait for us to be perfect, but love came down to meet us in the midst of our mess. Another wrong idea is that heaven is for the afterlife, but God's power is available for us all day and all night. It's not just about filling the blank when you die, but the space you occupy while you are still alive. Salvation, healing, wholeness, freedom from addictions, a hope, a cure for the human condition. Do you believe? Would you receive the greatest gift of all? Don't matter if your sin too big or faith too small. Christmas Day celebrates the Savior's birth, making it official. Heaven is now here on earth. No more 
on, let's give Jesus a big hand in this place. Let's honor our God this day. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Wow, good morning, everybody. On behalf of our senior pastors, Pastor Chiu and Pastor Lee Chiu, as well as all the leaders and elders here at SIBKL, we want to wish you a warm welcome and Merry Christmas to you. Hey, if you're in the overflow room, could we do this? Okay, could we all right here in the hall right now, could we let out a loud cheer and clap? Just to let the overflow room know that we are saying hello to them. Y'all ready? One, two, go. Whoa! Hey! Now, this, now what we're going to do is, okay, overflow, okay, we're going to be really quiet here. Really, really quiet here. Like absolute silence, all right? Guys, just really quiet here. Overflow room, could you make some noise and let's see whether we can hear you? <laughs> well, I'm going in faith that you cheered anyway. Welcome. The great news is all of you are welcome and you are a part, you are meant to be here. Better news for you in the overflow room. Later after the service, you're the first ones to get the food because it's at level three. So go on, take all the food, right? Don't leave for any of these people here. They already got seats, so they've got a good experience, all right? So make sure you do that. But welcome. You know, it's so good to be here on Christmas Day at church. Uh, how many of you are already in the Christmas season? You're celebrating. Yesterday, I was talking to uh, a person. Uh, he's known to eat a lot. And um, he told me, you know, in my defense, I'm here for a good time. I don't need to be here for a long time. And I was like, okay, right? That's a good model to have in the Christmas season. And, um, you know, obviously, it's Christmas. We get a little bit jam-packed, as you can tell already. Last night, I was at dinner with, uh, you know, at my mom's house. And she got some friends over. And I was just telling uh, a friend, her friend, that, um, you know, here in church, we have this thing what we call NECF Christians. Um, what they are are Christians that only come out to church on New Year's, Easter, Christmas, and funerals. If you're feeling a bit bad, my only response to you is, Siapa yang makan chili, rasa pedas. Just playing, just kidding. But thank God you're here. I'm grateful that you are here. I believe that God wants you here. Whether you came here because you were tricked to, anybody got tricked into coming here, maybe your friend told you, you know, come lah, you know, come lah, come church lah, it's okay one lah, you know, you kind of thing, and you, you just walked here. Maybe you were forced to be here by your family or anything like that. Whatever circumstance or situation, maybe you came here by accident, right? You just decided this morning, you got up, you had nothing to do, and I'm going to come to church. Whatever circumstance that brought you to church this morning, I want to first tell you that you are meant to be here. That God actually wants you here this morning. Whatever situation that you found yourself in. And you see, Christmas is a day where we celebrate Jesus' birth. Or it originated from the story of the birth of Jesus. Now, maybe you don't have a religious background or you come from a different faith and you don't believe in Jesus or you don't believe in the miracle of Christmas or anything like that. But one thing is for sure, all of us are affected by this person called Jesus. 
I mean, after all, we are having this public holiday. Thank God for that. We're having all these sales in malls. We're having all this reason to get together with family, to celebrate. In fact, even the year 2019, what does that mean? 2019 after the life and death of Jesus. Whether you believe in Him or not, you are affected by Him. And today, as we gather, you know, for another couple more minutes, I want to talk to you about who Jesus is and the concept of heaven, what this is about. And I want to do that by reading to you a scripture. So my title, my short sharing with you this morning or this afternoon now is Here Comes Heaven. And I want to take it from the Bible in John chapter 1, where it says this, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell the light so that everyone might tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He simply, he was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created. But the world didn't recognize him. He came down to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. The first thing I want to tell you before I get into my three points really quickly is that first and foremost, I'm John and I'm a pastor here at SIBKL. But this Christmas day, I'm not coming to you as a pastor. I'm coming to you as what the Scripture says of John the Baptist, a witness. I want to tell you about Jesus this Christmas day, not as part of my job. And I want to tell you the reason for my very being, for the reason why I do what I do. Because newsflash, okay, just in case you didn't know, I didn't, get, I didn't become a pastor because there's a lot of money to, to get from it. There isn't, just FYI. I didn't become a pastor. I didn't join the church so that I could fill my time and pass my weekends. I'm sure there are plenty of other activities that we could get up to on the weekend. No, I became a Christian and I am now serving God full-time with my life because I am absolutely convinced that He is real. I am absolutely convinced that He is true, that He is alive. And today, I'm just coming to you as a witness. So I'm not going to preach at you. I'm going to tell you about Jesus from the Bible. And you see, Jesus was heaven personified. And He came to this earth. So my first point is this. What does heaven bring? Heaven brings life. We talk about here comes heaven. And heaven brings life, the first thing. 
And I thought about it, you know, I was reflecting a lot about Christmas. As Christians, you know, for those of us who have been in church for a while, we can get into a mode of routine where every weekend is just going about the motions and even Christmas could be just another celebration that is compulsory or as Christians, we should do that. But you know, I was thinking a little bit more about Christmas and I thought about how God came in the form of a baby to a human being. Now, I don't know about you, but um, any of you, you've been pregnant before or you are pregnant. Any, any of you, like, don't be shy, right? We can tell, right? Don't be shy. Uh, any of you had, had people, loved ones who were pregnant or gave, gave birth before? Any of you know that? You raised a young child before? How many of you would know that raising a baby or pregnancy is not a very glamorous thing, right? Giving birth is not a super glamorous thing. Raising a little baby, no matter how cute your baby is, it's not always glamorous. You see all those pictures on Instagram or social media where there's nice family portraits on it. They probably went through a lot of torture and screaming and yelling to get to that one or they got lucky on the first try, right? The first try, the kid was okay. After that, the kid just lost it, manifested. Now, I know about this. Now, I have a confession to make. I used to be one of those very mean people where I would judge other parents. You know, when they bring kids to a restaurant and making so much noise, I used to go, yo, control your children, please. But now after every one of my own, I go, may the grace of God be always upon you. Bless you. So I've become a little bit more understanding. Have a child, right? It'll change your life. It'll make you more considerate. But the, th the thing I've realized about having a child and raising a kid, it's not glamorous. And I imagine Mary going through that. Imagine the confusion that Mary would have been through. Here she is, not married yet, and a ghost or, or an angel telling her that she's going to give birth to a baby and that baby is the Messiah. Imagine Joseph, how he would be, what, what would he be thinking about? That, you know, he's not even had slept with his wife yet or his wife-to-be and she was already pregnant. Confusion. And this is the mode that God chose to come to our world. This is the mode. And on top of that, Mary didn't even give birth in a nice, comfortable setting. She gave birth in a manger, a barn, a farm. Some of us, even the thought of going to certain hospitals, we go, oh, I'm not going to go to the hospital to give birth. But imagine poor Mary. The Bible's, the scripture that I read in Luke chapter 2 earlier said that they had no lodging and they had to go to a barn. This was the circumstances in which our Saviour was born. So when we talk about life, what life is about, what is this life that God promises us? You see, in John chapter 10 verse 10, there's this scripture that Jesus said. He said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life to the full. What does that actually mean? Depending who you follow on Instagram or who you mix with, you will have a certain definition of what life is supposed to be like. Some of us think that living the life would be one of luxury, comfort, where we go, where we drive the biggest cars, where we go for the flashiest holiday destinations, where we eat in the most fanciest restaurants. We think that's what life should be about. So for many of us, we script or we 
mold our life towards that direction where we are looking for riches. We think that more money will give us less problems. Or we, so we pursue academics, we pursue careers and all these different things. And then we think that is what life is about because we are trying to escape trouble. If we are honest this morning, most of us are working really hard so that we can live comfortably and escape trouble. But let me tell you, the definition of life that God has for us is not one that is trouble-free, but purpose-filled. Purpose-filled. That God, you know, being a Christian, let me first tell and remind all of us, it does not mean that you will have no trouble at all. But it does mean that you have a purpose. That you have a God who has a plan for your life. And let me tell you this, anything that moderately, that is moderately complex has a purpose. Like for example, I've got a phone here. It's my phone. Uh, it's an iPhone 7 Plus. It's not the latest one. If you feel led to give me a new one, please feel free to do so. Just playing, just kidding. But if I look at this phone, and if I were to find it somewhere and pick it up, and I were to tell you, oh, this phone has no purpose, it has no reason, you wouldn't accept that. You would say, no, that phone was created for a reason, for a purpose. And in the same way, can I tell you, you are more than moderately complex. In fact, for some of you, you are extremely complicated. Turn to someone next to you and say, I'm complicated. Wives, tell that to your husbands now. I'm complicated. Live with it. So if you in all your complexities, you in all your intricacies, you, you are not a mistake. You are not just here for the sake of being here. God has a purpose for you. If I wanted to find out the true purpose of the phone or the, even the utmost potential of the phone, what would I do? I will go and talk to the Creator. I will go and seek to know what the Creator had in mind when He created this phone for me to understand what it's truly for. And just like us, the only way you can establish purpose is that you come into relationship with our Saviour and that is Jesus who created you. So let me give you a definition of true life. True life is this. True life is directed by purpose, anchored by peace, but fueled with passion. These three things here, purpose, peace, and passion. And let's talk about peace for a moment. You see, peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of Jesus amidst the trial. I don't know about you, but being a Christian or living this life, or no matter how much money you have, that's not guarantee that you will never have any problems. Any of you can identify with me. Even those of us who fervently serve God, follow Him, we run into troubles, we run into problems. But here's the thing, God promises a peace, a peace. And two years ago, I had to find that peace for myself. I had to experience that peace for myself. I'm going to show you a picture. Let's put that picture up. That, there is, that man there, his name is Gan Yao Chong. He was born in 21st of February, 1957. But he departed on the 7th of September, 2017 at 60 years of age. And that over there, the manja-looking one, is yours truly. 
still hasn't still haven't changed. I can be quite manja sometimes. But two years ago, I lost my dad. And when I lost him, it wasn't a clean death, I would say. It wasn't the one where he just got sick and he passed away. No, it was one that was filled with so much complications, so much trouble. He was in and out of hospital for six months or even more. And on his final two months of life, he was in the hospital staying there. And his last month of actually being alive, he was in a coma. That was the kind of trouble I faced. And even in that trouble, you know, it wasn't just my dad's health that was in jeopardy or, in, or, or, or facing um, crisis. It was family relationships because there was so much arguing amongst the family and the relatives. What should we do? Should we keep on, you know, keeping, uh, keeping him alive? Should we transfer him to a different hospital? And all that? I don't know whether you've been in a family crisis like that. It was a trouble, harrowing time. But beyond all that, I was faced with the reality that I was going to lose my anchor. You see, even though I'm 32 years old, I was 30 back then, my dad was still like the kind of go-to guy that I had. I didn't go so much to Google, I would always go to my dad. Like, if there was like trouble at home, like, you know, if there was a plumbing issue or something, I would call my dad. I'd be like, hey dad, how do I fix this? And he'll try to explain to me and, and I'll act blur. I'll be like, uh, I don't know how to do it. And my dad will be like, alright, fine, I'll come and do it for you. I'll be like, oh, thanks dad. That was the kind of relationship I had with him. I relied on him. I depended on him. And I always thought that he would be around for a long, long time. But suddenly, two years ago, 7 September 2017, I was faced with the reality that he's gone. That the one that you look to, the one that you rely on, is no longer going to be around. Now, you have to figure this life out on your own. And immediately, I felt like a little boy again on the picture, wanting to hold his dad, going, Dad, what do I do now? But he was gone. And can I, can I tell you, in, those, in that time, there were many well-meaning Christians that came and prayed for me. They said, you know, God can heal and all that. And, but don't get me wrong, I believe God can heal. I have seen situations where people were prayed for. I've heard of testimonies, even in our own church, where people get you know, heal, people get healed from stage 4 cancer and all. I believe in all of that. I believe I will pray for him. I was believing for healing. But it didn't happen. And even in that time, I understood this scripture now. Philippians 4, 7. It's not just words from the Bible. It actually became words that were true to me. Philippians 4, 7 says this. You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. Some version says that transcends all understanding. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I can tell you in that moment, I should have been losing my mind. I should have been giving up. I should have been going through a crisis of faith, in fact. Look at this guy serving God, but now what has happened to him? But I want to tell you, all I experienced was peace. Peace. I felt the presence of God walking me through that time. I felt the presence of God assuring me that it's going to be okay. Did I know how it was going to be okay? I absolutely did not. But I knew that God was with me. And even as he was speaking to me, he said, it's going to be okay. 
it's going to be okay. And I trusted Him. In life, you don't have to understand everything. You just have to trust Him. You just have to trust Him. Peace. Then the other thing I talk about true life is passion. See, passion is not emotion, but it's an inner conviction. That's why I can have passion for life. Can I tell you that when you know your purpose, that when you have peace, you will absolutely have passion for life. I wake up every day looking forward to life. Some days less than others, but still looking forward nonetheless. I look forward to the conversations I will have. I look forward to the memories that I will be making with my family, with my wife and my little girl. I look forward to the possibilities that God will lead me through. I look forward. Why? Because I know God is real. I know He's alive. And I know come hell or high water, God has a plan. God has a purpose. And God will give me peace. I may not have all the answers, but I will have peace. And that gives me peace passion to live life. It's not something that I'm manufacturing to kind of like hype you up. No, I feel it deep in my bones. Man, life is worth living because all of us, life cannot just be about you're born, you go to school, you graduate, you get a job, you provide a family, you retire, then you die. It can't just be all about that. It's not about just filling the blank after you die, but for the space where you occupy while you are still alive. That's what Jesus is. He's not just for the afterlife, He's for the now. And He can give you that life, that life, just like how He has given me. The second thing that heaven brings, according to John chapter 1, is heaven brings light. The scripture tells us that it is true the light through the life of Jesus, the light has come onto the world. In fact, John himself says this in John chapter 8, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And what is light? Light is truth. Because truth is truth no matter how you feel about it. And I don't believe all truth is relative. We can talk about some things that are super relative. Like for example, if you want to discuss what's the best place to have Takwitiao, what's the best mall to go to? Is it Wadotama? Is it Mid Valley? Is it Paradigm? Nah, not really, right? Or is it Pavilion? We can discuss what is the best mall. And at the end of the day, it's up to our personal preference. But there are some truths in this world, no matter how we feel about it, we cannot argue with it. A truth is truth no matter how you feel about it. Gravity is truth. That's an absolute truth. That, you know, if I got up one day and said, you know what, I, I, I am really upset at this concept of gravity. Who does gravity think he is holding me down all the time? In fact, I don't believe in gravity and I'm going to defy gravity by jumping off a building. How many of you know I can be earnest in my belief but I will still feel the effects of gravity? And you know, the truth is, is that the world is in darkness. That's the truth. Think about it for a moment. We are the most technologically advanced we could ever possibly be. Most connected 
that could we ever possibly, the only thing next best is, you know, a hologram and we even have that or even teleportation. That's the next best thing. But yet, with all our technological advancement, the world isn't getting better. In fact, some would say the world's getting worse. For all our connectivity, we are still distant from one another. Many people know what it is to have an interaction with their phone, but they don't know what it means to be connected to another person. My friend, the world is in darkness. And the only light that is out there is Jesus. The only one that can give you hope in the midst of darkness is Jesus. Because here's what hope is. Hope is being able to see that there is light despite all the darkness. That's what hope is. Do you have hope? Because when you have Jesus with you, you will recognize that He is the light and that you can have hope. What I am telling you is not a quick fix, but a long-lasting hope. That's what Jesus is. Jesus is not a quick fix, but a long-lasting hope. That we... You don't need medication. You know what you do when you medicate? When you medicate, you are just simply treating the symptoms, you know, or an issue, but you're not going at the root. If you really want to be well, you got to tackle the root. And sometimes the root to wholeness is a process. That's why it's called a relationship with Jesus. I'm a work in progress, my friends. I am by no means perfect, but man, when I've given my life to Jesus, when I allow His light to guide me, I have a purpose, I have peace, I have passion. But more importantly, I know where I'm going because the light is shining. This day, will you receive that light? This day, if you already have Jesus, would you continuously turn to the light and not look to your circumstances or your issues, but look to Jesus? John chapter 8 verse 32 says this, Jesus said this, that whoever the Son sets free, anyway, you know the truth, sorry, the truth will set you free. Whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. When you know the truth, you will be free. Not free from trouble, but free to live life. Free to get through every day. Some of us, we medicate with alcohol, with cigarettes, with gambling, with drugs and all these things. And we think these things help us and it makes us feel free. But ask an alcoholic to stop drinking. Ask a person addicted to cigarettes to stop smoking. Ask someone who's addicted to all kinds of different things to stop that. They can't. You know why? Because true freedom means being able to walk away. Can I encourage you? Can I assure you, even you guys in the overflow room, would you stop self-medicating? Would you get in with the life, the light, the true and one and only Jesus? He is worth it. He is worthwhile. My last point is this. Heaven brings love. Because the scripture tells us in John 1.14 that in Him was unfailing love and faithfulness. God is the perfect definition of love. Because when we think of love, we would think of many different images or sceneries. 
Maybe we're thinking of, you know, those nice, lavish weddings where the couple is so in love with one another and, you know, lots of nice, fancy posing shots. Or we think that, you know, love is someone uh, willing to do whatever it takes to woo you, to give you the best gifts, bring you on the nicest places and all that. We have a definition or an idea of love. But let me tell you, God defined love. 1 John 4, verses 7 to 8 says this, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. If you are devoid of love in your life today, let me tell you, there is nothing wrong with you. It just simply means God is not in you, and this day, He wants to come and have a relationship with you. If you find it difficult to love your family, if you find it difficult to even love life in general, let me tell you, it's not about trying harder. It's about now, would you trust Him? Would you trust God? Because let me tell you, there were many moments where I felt myself being devoid of love. Because I don't know about you, but this thing called marriage, how many of you know one year of marriage is actually longer than one actual year? Those of you who are married will know, right? Like five years of marriage can easily feel like 50 years. And it's not, now don't get me wrong, right? I love my wife, love being married to her, don't regret it. But let me tell you, it's hard work. And it was in those times where I had to love and keep on loving, not out of my own strength, but because God, I remember, wow, if God loves me, I can love others. You know, when we meet difficult people in ministry, we meet difficult people in, when it comes to church and all that, when we look at them, I go, man, in spite of how much you hurt me or insult me, I'm still going to love you, not because I'm such a good person, but because I feel the love of God in me for you. That's God. God is love. And you love, let me, let me tell you something, love is not defined by the joyous moments. We think that bringing people, you know, bringing our families to fancy holidays or giving them big expensive gifts and all those times, all those things, those are definitions of love. Yes, they are, but love is truly defined in moments of testing. Testing. Let me tell you what true love is. True love is the act of giving, forgiving, and forfeiting. Giving, forgiving, and forfeiting. And that's what God did. God gave His one and only Son and He forgave us. He forfeited. Jesus forfeited His right. It's almost like a CEO of a mega corporation because he's so concerned about the people on the ground in his factories. He says, I'm going to give up my position as a CEO and I'm going to go to the factories and see what it's really like and show them that I care for them. Not a great example, but a simple imagery to show you. And if our greatest need was knowledge, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need was entertainment, God would have sent a clown. If our greatest need was technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need was money, God would have given us an economist. But no, our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent a saviour for us to pay a price that you and I could never ever pay. 
you know, to illustrate the story of the gospel and the, and the message and the life of Jesus, I want to tell you a story that I heard um, the worship leader who led us in worship this morning. He spoke this at our youth service a couple of weeks ago. This story is a story of a bus driver. Now, this bus driver, his bus route actually takes him to a school that's on top of a hill. One day, the bus driver goes about his daily route and he goes to the school at the top of the hill. And as he gets there, he gets all the children to board the bus. He counts them all in. He makes sure everybody is accounted for. And then he decides, okay, it's time to go. He departs from the school. As he was descending down the hill, he realizes his brakes were not working. He was pumping his brakes furiously, but he realized that this bus was not losing any speed, but gaining it. And at that moment, he became uh, very, very anxious. He turned to the children in the bus and he told them, Kids, y'all better hang tight. Y'all better sit down because my brakes aren't working. Everyone, hang tight. And in a moment, he didn't know what to do. But then he realized there's an open field at the bottom of the hill. If I could just navigate this bus safely down this hill onto that field, I can run it off and the bus will come to a stop. He thought, that's a great plan. I'm going to do that. As he was doing that, he, he, he guided the bus. He managed to guide the bus, even though it's gaining lots and lots of speed. He managed to guide the bus towards the field and he was pointed at the field's direction. But suddenly in front of him, there was a little boy right in front of the bus. Now in that moment, he had to decide, do I run the bus through this boy or do I swerve and avoid him and potentially severely injure or possibly kill everybody on this bus, he decided to go through him. He goes through the little boy, he runs the bus off, the, off onto the field and the bus comes to a complete stop. And in a, in a short while, all the emergency services and the police, they turn up. And the parents of the children, they were so thankful. They asked the police officer in charge, can we thank the bus driver. We want to say thank you to him. But the police officer tells him, I'm sorry, I know you want to do that, but please understand it is a difficult moment for the bus driver now because the boy that he ran through was his son to put a stop to the bus. And you see, that is the message and the illustration of the gospel. That when God sent Jesus and when Jesus came to this world in all of His mess and when He hung on the cross for all His atrocities, He had you and I in mind. He knew what He was doing. He knew who He was sacrificing for. Just like that bus driver, He knew all the boys and all the girls on that bus. Those that called Him names, those that didn't respect Him, He knew all of them. But He decided anyway, this is worthwhile. God knows you. But the amazing thing is that God still loves you. God still has grace for you. God still has mercy for you. And you say, hey, John, you don't know what kind of addictions and troubles I am going through. You don't know the kind of pain that I have been through or that I am currently facing. And you are right, I don't. But I know my God. 
I know my Jesus. I know He is faithful. I know He can see you through the darkest of days. And I know that He is interested in you. In you. Even you in the overflow room. In, in all of you, individually. You are not just a face in the crowd here. You have heaven's attention right now. And all that we have done, all that we have prepared for this whole Christmas season up to the beginning this day is for this very moment. Because right now, what I want to do or what I have been setting up this moment for is an invitation. Not force, not coercion, not an obligation, but an invitation for you to come into relationship with Jesus. And that is not that you, if you become, if you believe in Jesus, it's not that you become a member of the church or that you have to do all these things and all that. No, 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 no. It's about you coming into a relationship with a God that is real, that is alive, that I've experienced and that I've seen for you, for you to experience that personally. You know, you know, in Christmas, we have this concept of Santa Claus. We all know Santa Claus, yeah? This big red guy in a... No, he's not red. He wears red. He's a big guy. He wears red. Kind of creepy. He goes down chimneys giving you presents. Maybe that's why Malaysians, we don't have presents under our tree because we don't have chimneys. He can't come through the back door because we have grills and all that. We're so fearful of break-ins, right? But Santa has this concept a naughty and nice list. And sometimes we think that that's what God has as well. A naughty and nice list. With all on the nice list, blessing upon you. Naughty list, oh no, right? You're out. No, 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 no. You see, my friends, with Santa, you have to behave. But for salvation, all you have to do is believe. 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 Because the scripture says, that whoever believes in Jesus, God gave them the right to become sons and daughters of God. That's who Jesus is. That's why Christmas is all about giving. Because God gave. God gave and He forgave and He forfeited for you and I. He sacrificed for us. That the greatest gift cannot be found under a tree but the greatest gift hung on that tree at Calvary for you and I. That's the greatest gift. And right now, it's an invitation where you receive this gift. Because like any other gift, you have to receive it. You have to say, yes, I want it, I accept it. So this is what we're going to do. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and let's try to keep movement to a minimal as much as possible because we really want to respect this moment even for you guys in the overflow room. Could you just give me five more minutes just to remain seated, to have your heads bowed and eyes closed with no one moving around and no one moving, walking about. I want to speak to people where you have never personally made a decision to come into relationship with Jesus. Maybe you have gone for many church programs like this. You have gone to many church events kind of like this one. But the truth is you just go, come and go, but you have never really decided for yourself that I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. This day is an opportunity for you. 
The Bible says that whoever believes in Jesus, he now becomes a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. That God isn't interested in what you have done or where you have been, but He's absolutely concerned about where you are going. And when I say where you are going, I don't just mean for the afterlife, I mean for the here and now. Because the very fact that you still have breath in your body and energy in your bones means that you have a plan from God for you to keep on breathing and living. Will you this day discover that plan that only your Creator can reveal to you? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask in this place that if you say, John, I have never accepted Jesus into my heart before, but this day, this afternoon, I want to make that decision to do so. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up really, really high so that I can see it and then I can pray for you or some of our leaders can pray with you. If your heart is beating at a million beats per second and you go, why am I feeling so nervous and all that? Let me tell you, that's not coincidental. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God knocking on the door of your heart saying, would you let me in? Would you let me in? Would you let me in? So on the count of three, if you say, I've never accepted Jesus into my heart before, but I would like to do so this afternoon, even for you guys in the overflow room, with every head bowed, every eye closed once again, if that is you, on tree, I want you to put your hand up really, really high so that I can see it and then you can put it down. Everyone here on level five, as well as the, in the balcony, put it really, really high so that I can see it and then you can put it down. One, two, three. Come on, lift that hand and say, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus. Thank you, I see that hand. Anybody else? Come on, in the balcony, if you say, yeah, I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm tired of doing things on my own. I've tried things my own way, but this day, I want to trust in Jesus. I want to trust that He has a plan for me. Anybody else, even you sitting on a stairwell, if that's you, you can pop your hand up really, really high and I'll see it and you can put it down. Anybody else, I don't want to miss this moment. I don't want to waste this opportunity. I want to trust that you are here not by accident, but by divine appointment from God. Say, God wants you to be here. Come on, if your life is devoid of hope, and you say, yeah, I need a bit of hope right now, would you trust in Jesus? Even in this place, if you, maybe once upon a time, you used to go to church, and you're not really sure of where you stand with God now, can you make a decision this day on Christmas Day to be absolutely sure and just commit your life to Him? If that is you, you put your hand up as well. You say, yes, yes, I want to give my life back to God. Maybe I've been doing life for a while now on my own way, but now I want to give my life back to God. I'm just going to wait a little bit more. I don't want to rush through this moment. If that is you, you're not responding to me. You're not responding. You're not, this is not for show. This is a sacred moment between God and you. Right across the hall one more time. Anybody else? This is what we're going to do. We're all, we're all going to stand in this place. Could we all just stand uh, in this place? Thank you for being patient. Could we all just stand in this place? And in a moment, for those of you who put your hand up I'm going to ask you to do an even bolder thing. I'm going to ask you to come down to the front so that we can pray for you and with you. 
But I don't want you to feel nervous or self-conscious because what's going to happen is that everybody here is going to cheer for you. Is that right? We are, right? We are going to cheer for you because the Bible says this, that when one person turns away from their sin and gives their life to God, all of heaven rejoices. Heaven is now having a party anticipating for you to respond. And I'm going to ask those people to come down in a moment, but here's what else I'm going to do. If you brought a friend or a family member, could you turn to them and ask them, would you like to respond? Especially those who, you know, they, they're not right with God or they don't have a relationship with Him. Will you ask them, would you like to respond? And if they say yes, offer to come down with them. Everywhere in the overflow room right now, what we're going to do is we're going to continue singing this song for a little bit more. And as these people make their way to the front, could we, as a family of God, a family of believers here, could we give them the loudest encouragement, the biggest praise, and could we thank God for this precious and amazing moment in these lives? Come on, if you put your hand up or if you like to respond, could you kindly make your way down to the front? Jesus. Come on, you respond. In the overflow, there are leaders there. You respond to the leaders there. Come on, there'll be someone praying with you, talking to you. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Your promised Messiah. Angels, let your song I want to pray. 
I want to tell you that, man, I believe God is real. I cannot stress that. I cannot reiterate how real He is. And no, you know, no argument on what anything people would say can convince me otherwise because I have experienced Him for myself. And I know in this season, God wants to give all of us your life, light and love. So I'm going to pray for each and every one of you, especially if you feel like you're needing a bit of purpose right now. If you're needing a bit of clarity, if you're needing a bit of love in your life, if you're needing a bit of the light of God to shine upon you, let me just pray over you and trust that Jesus can give you what you need. And as I do that, if you want to respond to receive Jesus for the first time, please make your way down to the front. Nobody's going to turn you away and nobody's going to judge you or anyone like thing like that. In fact, we are going to be so glad that you did because all that we are doing today is for you. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I want to commit every single person here, including those in the overflow room. Lord, I speak your life to come upon them, that they will have purpose. They will know their purpose, that as they become closer and closer to you, the more and more would they become clearer on what their purpose is. And Lord, for those of us who are going through tough times, difficulties, I pray peace, peace to come upon each and every one of us. That we may not understand some of the difficult things, but Lord, we accept your peace this day. And Lord, I speak light, light, especially for those who feel hopeless, especially those who feel like their life is not worth living. Oh no, Lord, I speak light over them, light over you. You especially, if you've thought of ending your life, no, no, no. There is light at the end of the tunnel for you. You will not be in darkness forever. Jesus is beckoning you to come to the light. Jesus is beckoning you to come to light. And Lord, beyond all else, will you fill us with your love. Love that we can love our families just like how you love us. Love that we can love one another. Love that we can even love ourselves because Lord, you created us. You have a plan for us. You have given us life. And with that, we are thankful. This Christmas season, we want to lift you up we want to praise you and we want to thank you once again. Separate us now with your love and bless the food that we are about to partake later on and give each and everyone here a meaningful family time this day. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. In Jesus' name and everyone who believes says, Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus a big praise this place. Awesome.